That was Anthony Tonin's Entertainment from the Leave Love Out of This album, which is, he's going to be on, um, he's going to be at Lit Crawl this Saturday, among many other great uh, performers, talkers, writers, whatever, that we just heard about from Claire Maybe. Um, this is Perrine. You're listening to B-Side Stories on Wellington Access Radio 106.1 FM. And now we have one of the, another writer from Verb, Morgan Bache. Um, Morgan is a Wellington writer, literary magazine co-founder and editor, um, poetry judge, other things. <laughs> Welcome to B-Side Stories. Hi, Breen. Thanks so much for having me today. Very happy to have you. So, shall let's start with Verb. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you're hosting a sold out writers' workshop that's yeah. part of Verb. Um, it's called The Poetics of Rage. Yep. <laughs> and um, the purpose, kind of as I understand it, is to take an emotion. that's typically quite kind of confronting Mm, and mm all-encompassing and exploring how you can write about it in a way that can be kind of like maybe illuminating Mm. and helpful Mm -hmm. and maybe beautiful Mm. or is that kind of more or less? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I mean, I was... um um, I was given, you know, the, an open option to sort of just, you know, think about what I wanted to do with the workshop. And, yeah, um, yeah this this idea to kind of talk about rage and how we might utilise it um, in our poetry. Um, yeah, it came to me as um, partly because in my most recent book, um, you know, I've been described as writing with a controlled rage, <laughs> which I found really interesting. <laughs> as I was like, oh, do I? And then... Um, you know, but yeah, thinking about it, I think um, what interests me is how, you know, that kind of idea of rage, which is, yeah, like a strong and quite a negative sounding emotion, but actually can be um, something that fuels you and fuels other things, how that can be maybe not necessarily even in the poem, the poems that you write so um, kind of blatantly, but might actually just be in the kind of context and the fuel in the background that it's, you know, that I suppose that yeah, that's with the controlled rage, you know. It it's can be a, a nice way into yeah. what you want to write about. Yeah. <laughs> I'm actually just having an image of um, speaking to a painter about yeah. this beautiful floral painting that yeah. she did that was her response to the abortion law overturning oh, yeah, in the yeah, USA. Yeah. And, you know, looking at this painting that's these... You know, (laughs) it wasn't the first thing. Rage wasn't the first word you'd put on it, but like that was what had led her to that. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's so maybe I'd been slightly um, blind to it myself, but, um, you know, I probably do have a simmering rage. I know I used to be one of those people that I'd come out of yoga and I'd be just absolutely raging rather than feeling like really relaxed like you'd think so you know it's probably there but yeah how to utilize that in a in a way that yeah is not necessarily obviously apparent but um yeah can kind of lead to new things I don't know I think it's an interesting it's an interesting emotion so yeah you know yeah it probably fuels other, other emotions as well and yeah Anyway, it, and it should come to some interesting discussions, I hope. <laughs> I think so. And mm. it's, I guess, one that is 
kind of often a bit taboo because people yeah. respond negatively or, yeah. you know, it's easy to, easier to respond to sadness or whatever than yeah. to rage. Yeah, yeah. And then reading through, um, you know, lots of different poetry collections and things, kind of looking for some good examples to talk about in the workshop. It's been really fun. Yeah, sort of, you know, trying to identify when something has come from rage rather than sadness or something, mm. you know. Um, yeah, it's quite been quite a fun little treasure hunt. Mm. <laughs> Hunting for rage. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's called The Poetics of Rage. There is a thing called The Politics of Rage, isn't there? Is I it a kind of a is. word play oh, or not a deliberate one? Not a deliberate one on my part. Because no. <laughs> I keep on, when I was writing it down, I kept on thinking pol- politics and then I would scrub it out yeah. and be like, Poetics. Oh, I think politics is on our minds lately. Yeah. So <laughs> and there are politics and poetics of yeah, rage, I'm indeed. sure. Yeah. So not a deliberate um, No, not link. a deliberate thing, no. My um, pun's are usually accidental. So. Yeah, the best ones are, yeah. I think. Um, so can you tell us about kind of seeing, you know, you mentioned doing the treasure hunt for this, mm. like how you've seen other writers grappling with it and maybe... Mm. cliches you've seen along the way and really good expressions of it yeah I mean I probably haven't been looking so much for the the cliche ones because I think that's where if we kind of fall back on those familiar things that's where it feels to me like it pushes the reader out you know Um, well I got the impression that the idea of this was to kind of like there are many cliches to do with writing about rage yeah let's do something else yeah exactly so it's how can we kind of create space for the reader I suppose and I think yeah if you know um yeah um partly I think yeah if we fall into kind of cliches it you know I find those kinds of things like push me out of a poem because it's sort of you, you, you know, you're too aware of like the common kind of terms and things and rather than um, something that feels really fresh and is going to draw you in, but also therefore kind of create space for the reader. It's just how I experience, I suppose, reading poetry. Um, You know, everyone probably has a different thing. Maybe some Mm. people, you know, find some comfort in the cliches. I don't know. And then, yeah, yeah, there's, you know, there's various examples of of maybe how people have used some of that familiar language and then, like, twisted it. Um, And that can be really interesting as well. Um, And then also I've been looking for examples that... um, might actually kind of display a more open rage rather than that kind of, you know, background context rage that's, yeah. that's fueling something else. And so, you know, how controlled is it? You know, there, there'll be a ver- variety of kind of poems we'll look at. So, yeah. But, you yeah, we've only got two hours, so yeah. it's going to be, you know, <laughs> we'll give people time to, to create some new work as well. So, yeah, yeah right. Be, we'll and so that will be, um, people will be there writing. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I'm hoping that we'll, you know, kind of look at some examples um, as a way in and a way to start thinking about it. And um, I think also, you know, to find some poems that can kind of act as models um, to sort of just help generate new work, which then, you know, um, you you kind of then can peel back off on those models and, you know, take out the stuff that... um, um, might be drawing on something else, but uh, any way into generating new work, I think, is mm. is a good thing. So yeah. and can be quite hard to do, you know, like that perpetual blank page of um, writing poetry that you're always facing the blank page, right? So um, anything we can do to kind of generate new work, I think, is good. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's the hope that we'll do some talking about poems and some different examples um, and how people respond to them. Um, And then, yeah, try and do some writing exercises to create some new work and then hopefully people will want to share that. Um, Mm. And another thing, you know, that I want 
to people to get out of the workshop is um, hopefully to you know find other writers that they might want to work with going forward in workshopping situations. Right. Because I think that's a super important part um, of of the writing life for yeah. um, for and people. And the purpose of verb as yeah, well. Yeah, exactly. To connect building. people and yeah. yeah. So yeah, that's my hope. <laughs> Great. <laughs> um, will you be, are you a verb regular? Will you be going to other events? Or? I, I'm going to get to as much as I possibly can. Um, I realised uh, that I actually got back to New Zealand like three years ago um, this week. Um, oh, yeah? Yeah, and so um, I have memories of being in um what was it called, you know, managed isolation or whatever um, in the pandemic. Yeah. And, like, knowing that Verb was on and not being able to go. I was like, no, what a way to land back in New Zealand and yeah. not be able to go to Verb. Um, so, yeah, I just am really, really pleased to um, to be part of it and to, yeah, I'm going to get to as much as I possibly can because it's an amazing festival. Um, and, yeah, I think we don't know how lucky we are, really, um, with things like Verb. Like, it's an incredible festival for our city and... Um, honestly, the things that I would go to in London when I was living there previously um, to coming back to New Zealand, um, you know, you'd go to events with these phenomenal international guests, um, really big names and stuff, and they'd be just, you know, half full, a quarter full, and even in quite small situations. I think, like, you know, not only are we really lucky here, but people turn up for these things. Um, So, you know, it's just, it's an amazing environment, I think, you know, it's really properly world class as a a little festival, so yeah, yeah. (laughs) Nice. Um, Maybe just stepping kind of back a bit, Mm. um, how did you get into writing? (laughs) Yeah, um, well, how did I get into writing? It feels like such a long time ago that it's hard to kind of think exactly and I definitely did a lot of the like teenager diary scribbling you know um, which probably wasn't anything particularly formed Um, but then a pretty classic Wellington route of um, I did some undergraduate courses at the IIML (laughs) when I was at uni Um, started off with a a poetry course and a short fiction actually was the first one I did and then yeah I did a poetry course and another kind of specific topic poetry course with um, Dinah Hawken um, and Greg O'Brien and Damien Wilkins was the short fiction teacher then so um, yeah that was part of my undergraduate degree and I really loved it um, and then yeah didn't really do much with it for a long time but um, uh, when I was about 30 I went back to do the masters there yeah. and so yeah pretty classic through, you kind of through the you know I'm an IIML child, child I suppose but um, and in case anyone doesn't know what IIML oh, yeah, sorry, is International <laughs> Institute of Modern Letters at Tehiringa Waka University um, yeah so, um, it's and a, so it's an amazing little writing school and um, yeah I mean it's an institution I suppose but I think it's yeah it's a wonderful place and having that opportunity to be in that workshop environment um, particularly in that master's year, was just, you know, a phenomenal thing to yeah. have a whole year to focus on your work um, and to talk with other people about writing. Um, yeah, so that's, I, I love that workshop environment and yeah. hence, you know, excited to do a little microcosm of that on Sunday. Yeah, <laughs> and was it with people from the course that you then started a literary journal? Yeah, so well, not the cor- not the year I was in, okay. um, but actually, so Hannah Metner and Sugar Magnolia Wilson, um, they did the Masters the year before me. 
um, and I met them through some mutual friends. Um, and yeah, and we became friends and yeah, we, we decided to yeah, launch Sweet Mammalian in 2014, it must have been. Um, what yeah. were the kind of conversations leading up to, yeah. you know, what did, what did you think you were doing? <laughs> well, I mean, topical, but, um, it was one of those times where, um, some quite established journals at the time had had missed out on a CNZ funding round. Okay. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that old question of funding, you know, and were they going to last and stuff. Yeah. Um, and so we could sort of see there was a bit of a gap um, potentially coming. But also um, we wanted to create something that um, made a space for some, some different types of writing, something a bit more kind of um, hot-blooded, we said, you know, like um, kind of... Uh, yeah, something less kind of academic writing, I suppose, mm-hmm. stuff that felt a bit more um, where you could sort of, you know, see some strong feelings in there, I suppose, that, you know, in the kind of, I see you know, thing. yeah, yeah. sort of thing, <laughs> you know, like a bit of a background of rage or other feelings. But, um, yeah, you know, um, there was just a, yeah, a, a kind of a sense that there was there was a space for some, a, a different kind of journal um, in the, the scene. Um and we, honestly, it came out of a drunken pact, like we were having drinks Perfect. <laughs> at, um, at somewhere um, in Newtown, you know, and um, we were kind of, you know, ranting away about, you know, oh, you know, this and that. And, um, and we were like, why don't we do it, you know? And mm-hmm. so we agreed to go away and kind of research, um, like make, creating a website, which at that point in time was like not necessarily the most straightforward thing to do. Right. Um, you know, this is like Back in the 10 years ages. ago. Yeah, <laughs> you know, we didn't know yeah. anything about this. Um, yeah, and so we went away and actually did do the research and, and figured it out. And, um, you know, we didn't get any funding or anything. We just paid for it ourselves and we did all the work and everything. And that, you know, was the case for years and years. Um but yeah, you know, we were a bit cringy at the time. Like we we didn't say who we were. We kind of put out a call for for um, um, submissions and things, but we didn't say who we were as editors because I think we felt like we were being like cheeky little upstarts, you know? Right. Um, like who are we? Yeah. Um, which I, th- I don't think we would have would do if we were doing it again. We'd probably <laughs> just be honest about it. But um, it was amazing the response that we got, and it was it was yeah, it was amazing. It was so cool, and it was cool to launch it, and we did it online partly so that. It would be accessible to people overseas as well because, you know, it can be quite hard, I think, for people elsewhere to access New Zealand writing sometimes. A lot of it's just in print and a lot of it doesn't really get picked up elsewhere when you've got such a huge, huge range of work coming out of here and such amazing stuff. Um, Mm. You know, I feel like New Zealand writing really should have a higher profile overseas. But anyway, I don't know how much it does get accessed, but we also had little zines as well, um, little print, you know, chapbook kind of things. Um, but yeah, it's been passed on to Rebecca Hawkes and Nikki Lebudzi, um, who have been the editors in the, the last few years and they have done just an incredible job and it's, I think, grown beyond anything we thought um, it would ever be, really. Yeah. So, yeah. Do you still have, are you still involved? We're still involved as kind of like the grandmothers in the background. Um, right. <laughs> you know? um, and yeah, I think, you know, just, yeah, sort of helping out and kind of, yeah, I you know, whenever they need us to, but effectively yeah. it's, yeah, it's theirs now. Do you think you kind of have to move on or was it yeah. just for your own sakes? I think um, it got quite hard. Like it is a lot of work. It is a lot of work um, doing a journal, 
um, or you know, a literary magazine um, or website, whatever. But on top of you know, everyone's got really busy lives and full time jobs and young families and various you know reasons mm-hmm. why um, their time is stretched. But um, yeah, it, like it's an amazing thing to do, but it is a lot of work. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it kind of got to a point where we were sort of struggling to to have the time to actually give it the attention it needed and um, kind of get out enough issues, you know. Um, so yeah, it, you know, it kind of yeah, it was necessary yeah. for us to kind yeah. of hand it on, I think. For um, it to and survive. then it found the perfect, you know, perfect adoptive parents. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and so you have two poetry collections as well, yeah. and some of us eat the seeds. Mm-hmm. Was that twenty eight? Uh, it was twenty. No, it was twenty fifteen. Can't yeah. read my writing. <laughs> no, it was twenty fifteen, yeah. and then I I jumped on a plane three weeks later, and and stayed away from the country for five and a half years. So. Right. So yeah. if we've learnt anything, it's for you to complete poetry. You've got to run away. You need to. No, you need, <laughs> oh, to, be you need here. to be here. Yeah, that's no. <laughs> you you're do. absolutely right. Yeah, I do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I've got to be here. Um, and then this year, you've had mm. um, a book published, um, mm-hmm. Middle Youth. Yeah. Can you tell us about the concept of middle youth? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was kind of an in-joke with myself, you know, as I couldn't quite believe I got I was allowed to have it as a title. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think for me, middle youth, I mean, it, it, it sort of is what it sounds like. It's that, you know, um, being at the point of life where you're kind of approaching what, what is technically middle age, right, but still you know, maybe not having all the accoutrements that go with that, um, which I think a lot of people of my generation are, you know, experiencing or feeling. I can Um, relate to some of the concepts you raised with your writing. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. it's a, it's a, yeah, it's an interesting time of life, I suppose. Um, And certainly um, incomparable to previous generations in some ways of what they may have expected their yeah. lives to be like by now and how that varies with, you know but yeah I don't know also I just find it amusing you know middle <laughs> <laughs> youth um but yeah it's um yeah I don't know what comes after middle youth I think maybe that's adulthood after that yeah <laughs> we'll find out yeah <laughs> we will follow the name of your mm, next title yeah. <laughs> Um, and you brought a copy of I the did. book with I you. I might need it. Yeah, no. We'd, no, we'd love to hear a poem. Yeah. Um, do you have something in mind? Yeah, I thought, I mean, I could read one that is probably, uh, I think definitely you can sense the some rage in the background. It's a little bit long, though. Um, we can do you know, A couple of minutes? Yeah. Yeah. Um, let me find it. Yeah, I thought this might be a good example of... Um, Oh, if I can find the right one. I'm sorry. I've got a tag. Should I keep picking the wrong one? <laughs> Here we are. Okay. Um, I thought I'd read one. Um, the, the third part of the book um, is called To Proceed Within a Trap. Um, and there's sort of a series of poems that all have that title, um, which are loosely related rather than a sequence. But um, I thought I'd read To, pr- to Proceed Within a Trap 4. Okay. <laughs> um. Okay, to proceed within a trap for. The world is still full of great men, making it completely unlivable for the rest of us. I've never hatched anything, never hatched a plan, never laid out any human interventions in the future. 
In late-stage capitalism, everything is strung with fairy lights. Every revolution needs bunting to declare a position. Beads of electrons as numerous and trapped as we are. I've stopped taking photographs of anything but water, my back to the neon writing that scrolls the stock exchange held above the lost swamp. Our economic positions figured with accepted wisdom of great men. Fake flowers suddenly seem an ecological stance as rivers dry up. Soon even Hollywood will be on fire. We were coloured in by the loves of great men, babysat by rom-coms and fantasy affluence. But California is burning, the mountain ridges shriveled like cellulose stalled and combusting behind the projector light. Ah, but it's all digital now, fake negatives. Pixels are the ecological choice for water usage. What of the small outposts, the shadow towns of cinema, Miramar readying itself to become a lake? So many sets built, past, future, other worlds in the landfill. I work the bar at the book launch of a local hero's biography. The great woman is dead, of course, like they all are. I offer the finance minister a wine so I can leave the tide out in spite, but he refuses me my passive-aggressive note on political timidity. I'm longing for the socialist wonderland, wonderland they threatened. My father and I give our bets for the expiry of the species, it's a fun new game we play, a familial reckoning with despair. His mother used to get the giggles talking about death. When I first heard this, I assumed it was a nervous reaction, but maybe she just found it all hilarious, a morbid riot of futility. To escape war, my grandfather drove through the desert like he didn't care if the sand sucked him under. He saved my father's tabinus and consequently mine. I'd never meet my grandmother, perhaps the joke she was getting as I walk through the world with her hair and wonder if it will lose its colour before I'm swallowed. We ride fast through the wars of great men. I look, frankly, magical when bathed in the distant light of a forest fire. When Portugal smouldered, the sky in London glowed like Campari at four in the afternoon. Friends photographed me pulsating with the sugary dusted glow of a redhead in apocalyptic light. That's one thing, I suppose. Perhaps I'll hit peak attractiveness yet. But who wants to be hot on a doomed planet? Can we laugh at this? Would it not be better to rage at finance ministers drunk on figures, at every former hippie who treats us like cultural vending machines while they drink our sweat for rent? while well, they still treat this all like theatre. We fetch and serve, we trade in imaginations, riffs and retellings, because no one can imagine the future anymore without laughing like my grandmother, her fast husband back from hell, her hair aflame. Oh, we laugh in the faces of great men while they watch us burn, while they look at figures. Thank you. That was beautiful and horrible. <laughs> yeah, sorry, please don't me. <laughs> um, wow, some incredible images there. Um, thank you for that. No and um, so now, mm. do you get to, after this weekend, do you get to have a bit of a rest? Or? I, yeah, I do actually. It's been quite a busy year. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and it feels like I've been doing two full-time jobs really. Um, yeah, judging the... 
school's poetry award was a big job which was really fun and then can you tell us about that oh yeah (laughs) um yeah that was really cool so yeah it was really nice to be invited to do that this year um got to read um kind of a couple hundred entries from um say our year 12 and 13 students um uh who enter through their school I think um and yeah it was amazing um yeah, lots of teenage angst to read. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, and then some just some really stand-up poems and some amazing, amazing work from our young people. And then we got to do a, a, a workshop with them. Um, so me and another poet, Leah Dodd, who's amazing, um, we did a workshop with um, the 10 finalists and winner, um, which was just so great and mm. enlivening. And they're such cool young people, Um so yeah, that made me feel pretty hopeful. Yeah, um, yeah, it was really, really nice. Um, yeah, but yeah, that's made for a busy winter. Um, that and then book out and all of those bits and bobs, you know, that's you do yeah. around it. In a day job as well. Yeah, in a full time day job. So yeah. I'm quite looking forward to um, yeah having a little rest. Um, well, actually, you know, hopefully, like starting some new work, you know, um, new writing work. So yeah, we'll see what happens <laughs> next. But Um, Morgan, thanks so much again for coming along and talking to us and for reading us your beautiful poetry and um, talking rage. We need to talk rage more often, I think. No worries. (laughs) Hope I haven't depressed anyone. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you.